I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the Boston DraftKings studios. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Got a great show for you today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating. Check us out live here Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, DraftKings YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Roku, all these wonderful faces, all these wonderful places. We have got great guests today. Andrew Whitworth, former NFL offensive tackle, who's a part of the Thursday Night Football on Prime crew. Going to stop by and help get us ready for that. We've got Kevin Byard from the Philadelphia Eagles on making a transition, what it's like to be traded at the trade deadline and have to go out there and uh, try and put it on the line for your new team in record pace. But before we get to any of that, it is Wednesday. That means the good times roll. Our friend Charlotte Wilder, co-host of Oddball with Amin L. Hassan, joins us now. Charlotte, what's going on, bud? Oh, just living the dream, Mike. I like that I have my own graphic there. Is that has that <laughs> been there for a while? Well, we paid good so money. So I think for it's that, just the Charlotte. last couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 We paid good money well, for that. 
Okay, great. I love it. I like nice things. Um, I'm so thrilled to be with you, you all today, as always, on a Wilder Wednesday. Well, you deserve nice things. That's why we rolled out the red carpet for you here. We want to make sure that you feel Thank welcome. Because, Charlotte, today's a very important day. And it's not yes. just because we're going to ask you uncomfortable questions about the future of Bill Belichick after some cryptic words in the Boston Globe about the stakes of the Germany game coming up for the New England Patriots. It's not because we want to talk with you about the NBA's in-season tournament courts and all the hilarity that ensued with that. It's because, Charlotte, you picked a great morning to come here because we have got yep. a moment. History will look back kindly on this moment in time for the glory that it is because yesterday we saw a tease people's sexiest man alive still i think has some cachet in this country and in this world at this point and yesterday we had a great moment for large excellence charlotte where were you when you found out that jason kelsey was one of the people featured as people's sexiest man alive this year they could not give away the ultimate winner but they said he is one of the many people that will be featured in this year's magazine First of all, I say to People Magazine, you're cowards for not giving it to Jason Kelsey outright. That man has earned this reward. Um, award? Well, anyway, uh, Mike, I was brushing my teeth last night. That's what I was doing. And then I saw an email from one of you and I was like, oh, yes. OK, this is exactly on brand. So thrilled for Jason. Um, he looks good in those pictures. And it looks like if, if I, you know, as someone who watched the Kelsey doc and knows too much about the Kelsey family, looks like they just shot the photos right in front of his front door. Am I right? Well, yeah, it, it doesn't. That, yeah. I, I don't think Jason is big into some kind of photo shoot. You know, right. hey, Jason, how about I stand in front of the door, wear my underdog shirt and you take a picture of it. And we go from there. Jason is probably one of these about the the actual honor. I bet he cares less than the fact that we all thought Travis was going to be one of the guys because of the whole, you know, him and obviously Taylor Swift thing. The I think, Mike, that the his now ability to hold this over Travis's head is even more important to him than the fact that he's on this list of sexiest man alive. I think that's definitely fair because I think most people, I'm not saying me, I'm not saying the way people should, but society, because we're backwards in what we value, would probably consider Travis Kelsey more traditionally sexy than someone like Jason Kelsey for this list. But lest we not forget, Jason Kelsey has also gotten buck naked for ESPN the magazine. He was in the 2019 mm -hmm. ESPN the magazine body right. issue along with the rest of the Eagles offensive line. So we've been inching forward towards this day right now and i'm with you charlotte they just need to give him the dub here go ahead and cement your place in history yeah i agree i also i feel like there's a world in which they could have gone to travis and travis could have been like absolutely not there's a little too much attention you guys got to do jason um i also think that it is really wonderful and i'm not i'm not joking here like i you know we talk about large excellence i love um i think that there's something honestly refreshing we talk all the time about, you know, beauty standards for women and you're supposed to be thin, you're supposed to be this, you're supposed to be that. And I think that to see Jason Kelsey, who people might see as more of like the class clown type in the high school archetypes that we are still stuck with into adulthood, to, he looks great. Like, why shouldn't he be there? It makes you it makes you sort of question Okay, so after years of being fed like Brad Pitt, Patrick Dempsey over and over yeah. and over, then you see this picture of Jason and it's like he 1000% deserves to be there. And I think that's really important. I really do.
I mean, they're oh. really they're really covering all their bases because they also have I don't yeah. know how to say this guy's name. Timothy, is it Timothy or Timothy? Oh, Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. Well, it's Wait, not you Timothy. don't know Timothy Chalamet? It's not Timothy. That's not how you say his name. It is. I I think it is how you say no, his name. No, he's it French. It's not, it's not, it's a weird pronunciation. My sister who lives in LA told me I was wrong. I call him Timothy Chalamet. And she was like, Timothy? She was like, it's Timothy. It's not Timothy. Oh, it's oh the accent is because yes. it, yeah it's definitely spelled like Timothy. I've called him Timothy. Uh, well, it's you're you are incorrect, sir. It is wow. Timothy. Wait, Chalamet. I love how I love the expert the the qualifier for your sister's expertise was she lives in Los Angeles. She does. She like, lives oh, like same. So, yeah. so Mike does too. So does does he not qualify as as an expert? Listen, I'm going to take my sister's pronunciation of this actor's name over Gojo's. I'm just wow. going to, I think wow. that's fair, but I'm saying they're really covering all their bases. We got all body types represented in this, in this um, edition of Sexiest Man Alive. I did see, I saw a TikTok uh, about, I'm so, I bless this show. To have this space is just really a gift, you guys. I saw a TikTok about how Taylor Swift was in her thin neck men era and now she's in her thick neck men era and how as women you're either you're either a thin neck woman or a thick neck woman and if you like thin neck men you may be able to like thick neck men but if you're a woman who likes thick neck men you will never go back to thin neck men and so i just think this is a real win for the thick neck what the I hell think are we doing that's here really oh my accurate. god what, that's where, really where accurate. have we gone where have we gone in society now bring oh it my bring us god. back senior no it's, but that's true it is, it, it's yeah, true. I'm going to say spot it. the lie on that. I've yeah. always said that's the difference. And that's the way if you're looking to tell someone who played organized athletics for a long time, the neck thickness is kind of like the rings on a tree when you cut open an old tree and you can see all the years it's been alive. I've always said if you were to take a look at the yoke up here near the top of the shoulders into the neck, you can tell, oh, that person had to go out there and put it on the line for a while. Even my father at 60 years old, when you catch him from behind, you can still see remnants of the yoke back there because he put his time in the iron pile there. So, Dad, this is actually a compliment to you here, so, and you should thank Charlotte for bringing us to this point. So, Charlotte, are you saying once you go thick neck, you never go back? Is yes. That, is that what you're saying? Yes. That, that, I am that's saying what it is? I am saying something like that. Also, well, we should get senior on people's sexiest man alive. Let's oh, let's get let's this. go. Oh, let's yeah, start the campaign. That's what for I need year after now. years of my female colleagues <laughs> thirsting publicly for my dad is to cement it with that. Is, is that the senior <laughs> division like the like the bachelor now going with the seventy one year old? Yeah, it's I, the golden I, sexiest man alive. I will say this. I would like to see over the years some of the other athletes that were on there, because I, I don't have the recall of that. And where Jason Kelsey is now, because Jason Kelsey's beard is is magnificent. And that's part of what what makes him. But also in these lists, to me, there are sometimes you just look at somebody and you say they're just cool. Uh, that's, that, they just ooze coolness. And there are two people that I look at that are like that. And one I was fortunate enough to have on the show a couple of times when I was d doing, you know, Mike and Mike was Snoop Dogg is one. Snoop is just cool. Okay, he's just a cool person. And the other is one on this list is Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Kravitz is just cool, right? I mean, just musician, just the look, just the kind of laid back look. He is just a cool dude. So uh, I, I, I never mind seeing him on a list, but we definitely have some 
some older guys on this list as well. I think we're going to need at some point, instead of People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, we are going to need Mike Golick Sr.'s Coolest Dudes Alive. Yeah. yeah. Coolest codified dudes. Codified into an actual just list. Just cool. So, you're, you're just cool. Right? And we should be able to bet on this. Like, DraftKings, help us out. Like, yeah. have a have a list and, and the odds for who's, who's Sr.'s Coolest Man Alive. I feel right like now, we could be right, on right something Right now, it's here. Snoop. Charlotte, to me, it's Snoop. Is just, you can't Snoop give it away. Has, We're supposed to set odds I, on this. You can't uh, give it away to everybody late. right now. I just said before Snoop and Lenny Kravitz, uh. so, I mean, I gave away my top two. As your, Mike, as your mother said, Snoop has has gone decades of staying relevant. Yeah, he You has. know, as from, from the youngster to where he is now to having his kids involved. I mean, the guy, it's been amazing. And he's still, he, you just see him and he's just cool. Guys, by the I way, you were gonna... <laughs> only two athletes have ever, have ever won the Sexiest Man Alive. And it was 2015, David Beckham. Okay. I was just okay. going to say that. No surprises right, yeah. there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2016, The Rock, if you count The Rock as like an athlete. Yeah. He won. Oh, he was The Rock. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. I just shot Ronaldo's never been on there, but okay. That is true. Makes That's you wonder, true. Jason Kelsey, yeah. greater than sign, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh-huh. question mark. Uh-huh. Who's uh-huh. to say, echo Joan Golick on Twitter, is where you can weigh in on that and let us know if you're a thick neck or a thin neck with no other context <laughs> provided. <laughs> um, unbelievable. Speaking of thick necks uh, in New York, <laughs> Rob Sala, thick neck guy, very much oh, so. Yeah. Although you could argue his taste in quarterback, a little more thin neck. Either way, I believe we have sound from Rob Sala on the Michael K show yesterday being asked about the likelihood of making a change at quarterback going forward. Can we play that? You've got Trevor Simeon uh, in your building. Why why not give him a try? No, I got you. No, it's, uh, again, a fair question. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, he... he I don't know. You got me. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna plead the fifth on all this one in terms of just. Uh, I've, I've kind of explained it, you know, yeah. respectfully, obviously. Oh, wow. that made me. Re- wow. I hadn't heard that sound yet, wow. and Charlotte, you and I had the same gene- like knee jerk reaction of deep discomfort for either. Dad, to me, it was surprising how unprepared it seemed like Rob well. Sala was for a question he should have known was coming. I, I'm I'm surprised. Head coaches, as we know, go into press conferences with their agenda on what they want to sell to either the fan base or, more importantly, to their players. Uh, and he does this interview. He's going on this interview, so it's not like he was caught off guard. And you know in any interview you do or any presser you have, he is going to be asked about his quarterback. So it did – there's no way he could have been caught off guard that there was going to be a question about his quarterback, but – he did not seem ready with an answer that was like, okay, I'm going into this interview and here is, here is how I'm going to basically set everything, you know, so I'm, I'm, you know, sounding like, okay, this is, this is the way it is. You know, this is, this is how we're approaching things. This is why he's a starter. This is why we haven't benched him uh, to just tick off reasons like that. So I'm surprised at that. I feel like Sala is so rattled at this point. I feel like this is a man who has just like had every curveball thrown at him or, you know, wonky spiral, if you will. Um, and I and I feel like he's had all of these answers prepared. And I think at a certain point, 
he's just been like verbally juggling this whole season. Like he's been put in an impossible position where he has to be like, yes, uh, I'm not, I'm, I, I see what's happening on the field. I understand why you're asking me this. I also have a group of 50 plus men in the locker room that are going to hear what I say. I also have one specific quarterback who is going to hear what I say. And his name is Zach Wilson. And I, and, and he has to play like he's got to be on five different islands at one time. And so I'm not surprised that at a certain point, it just comes out as a, uh, 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 cause like <laughs> you can only do so much, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys agree. I just feel like he's also got to be exhausted at this point. And, and at a certain point, I think that your brain just sort of like starts to wind down. This is to me a moment to appreciate Mike Tomlin even more. Because when you look, Mike Tomlin, especially towards the end of the Ben Roethlisberger tenure and into now, has been dealt some curveballs in terms of that portion of their roster and how they've had to deal with it. But also, like the Mike Tomlin secret sauce, I was talking about this with Kevin Clark yesterday, is consistency in his message, even though he's got such yep. an individual relationship with all the players. And so you get up in that moment, and like if I were to put my coaching hat on in that spot, the easy answer and the one that seems like it would come from the Mike Tomlin school of handling press conferences, where you're Charlotte he approached every press conference and he said as much I know exactly what message I want to send to our fan base to our team to the players around here and it doesn't matter what I'm asked I'm going to get to the message that I want to send there and Rob Sala was reacting instead of dictating on that interview because the easy answer if you're going to like be the PR firm that goes out here and I've always said consulting i'm available if you want to do this because the easy answer there is hey at this point in our season we're evaluating everybody right now and we're going to make sure we got the best 11 out there that gives our team a chance to win the quarterback is no different in that regard zach means a lot to this organization and we appreciate the progress that he's made right now and believe that he can still play winning football for us that's the nothing burger that covers all of your bases which is a lot harder to do on the fly when you're reacting to that question and not walking in saying this well, is exactly the talking point i want to get out with the quarterback and it's difficult because Rob Sala hasn't been doing this as a head coach for a long time like a guy like Mike Tomlin and he is in this blender of a media market like New York so dad all these things compound and shout out to Michael Kay for asking a really direct yeah. question and 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 Charlotte you're right it was verbal juggling and it's a position a head coach shouldn't be caught in they should go in like Mike said with Mike Tomlin I mean you don't you don't get that guy off guard or get him in an awkward position he's going to send the message and the answer you just gave mike was right because what you're trying first thing what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to dictate what you want to say again to your players to whoever you're trying to send the message to second thing and we've always said this from the player's side but it's true from the coach's side as well is you don't want to be a reason why more questions get asked and what's going to happen in the locker room today that is going to be brought up today. Hey, this is what your coach said. You know, whatever word salad that was, this is what your coach said. How do you respond? So it's going to bring up more questions to the players. And in, in, in all honesty, that was probably a very honest answer by Robert Sala. He was probably just, I, I don't know. I don't know yet, you know? And, and there's almost part of me that says, Hey, man, I mean, they're human, too, you know, and they get caught like sometimes as well. And he, he's going to look back and say this wasn't the greatest answer in the world and they'll deal with it. it. It's it's a minor thing at this point. But these are just the little things you try and avoid. You dictate what you want in interviews and you try not to have what you say be re-asked 10 different ways the next day in the locker room.
I will say, Charlotte, it does seem like an answer that leaves it open to the possibility of Zach Wilson being benched. Like, that's what I heard in there is, oh, this is a distinct possibility as we go forward now. And we talked about this yesterday, Charlotte. I don't know what your views were coming off of a Monday night football game that was infinitely forgettable between the uh, Chargers and the Jets of while it might not all be Zach Wilson's fault. He's the one part of this equation that is really, it seems, gone unchanged. This whole team has failed to produce on that side of the ball, but he's the easiest way to change the most lives by making a move there if you see it's you see it fit. Yeah, anytime I looked over at the television, Zach Wilson was on the ground or throwing very badly. And I feel like at a certain point, there's only so much you can do. And I feel like a huge part of this, and I think I've said this on here before, is being put in a position to succeed. If you are a successful organization, you understand that it is your responsibility to put people in roles that they can excel at and not to ask more of them than they can give you. And I think at this point, yes, there have been some miracle moments. I mean, the game against the Chiefs, I don't know, maybe you just need to have like every person in America watching a game because Taylor Swift is there for Zach Wilson to really ball out. Um, But I just think it it, it becomes too clear of what's going on. I think there is a distinct possibility he gets benched. I also think all of this is just so messy. Like when you think about sports media in general, the fact that a coach says something on a radio show and then the players are asked about what the coach said, it's like worse than producers on reality television. It's like, it's really wild when you think about that as your work environment. And, and a lot of it quickly, Mike, placed on now Nathaniel Hackett. You see what you have out there, an offensive line that's been juggled, a quarterback that's been getting hit and holds onto the ball. Now you have to kind of massage plays that way, kind of like Tommy Reese at Notre Dame last year when you didn't have a throwing quarterback. How do you massage the plays that you're going to have? And that's going to be really, really important now if Zach Wilson is still staying out there is how do you run this offense with the way it's playing? Yeah, the Zach Wilson portion of this conversation has sort of clouded the fact that there are a lot more problems on that Jets offense than just him. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Uh, Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. So, Charlotte, uh, since we're talking about the AFC East here, it feels like every time we have you on, it's our chance to do a checkup from the neck up, uh, the very thick neck of Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. in this division ben volan for the boston globe wrote that he believes based on his conversations it's one it's a he doesn't think it's 100 that belichick finishes out the season and that if they were to roll in limping into the germany game and lose there 
uh, and come back with a losing record, he believes there's a chance the Crafts could make a move in the bye week to install Gerard Mayo as the interim head coach for the final seven games. My question to you, Charlotte, is is there a sadder way Bill Belichick could go out than holding a pretzel in Germany post-loss there before coming back to the U.S.? Oh, my God, no. Are they going to, like, leave him on the tarmac? At a German, like I imagine, I'm a picturing German like Sad Meyer pizza, but with him yeah. at the pretzel stand in Germany. No, I don't think there's a sadder way that this could end for Bill. I will be surprised. I mean, it just feels like the unthinkable. It feels like, um, you know, this behemoth of a football presence beyond the Patriots. Like this is so much bigger. I think this is a whole NFL. Like if Bill Belichick can be removed from his post really nobody is ever safe which obviously we know but yeah. i feel like there are different levels of that i really feel like if bill is fired by the craft family with whom he has this you know long-standing relationship he re-signed quietly that contract extension um that feels that feels almost unf unfathomable to me and i think at the same time it's probably a smart move. I think it also brings up all these bigger questions about the Patriots in general, about the Patriot way, about what does this team do going forward? How would Gerard Mayo, um, who I think could do a really phenomenal job, what what path would he take? Do you start shaking everything up? Do you completely change the way you do things? If that turns things around, that will also make people be like, hey, maybe it didn't need to be so buttoned up and 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 siloed and and quiet and sort of internal i mean it's very new england like the way the patriots have have run their organization it's been like don't talk about your <laughs> yeah. feelings um but i would be i would be shocked would you guys be no. surprised like well, does this seem so, like there's the a couple of irish catholics yeah. there's a few things here. or the wasps this, this isn't this isn't the new england patriot way it's the bill belichick way Let, let's get that squared away it's not the Patriot way, it's the Belichick way. So whenever he's gone, that ends because it's his way, not the Patriot way. It just happened to be the team he was with doing that because we've seen all his assistants who went on to be head coaches try the Belichick way at their places, and it hasn't worked, not at all. Um, the other thing is, Mike, you know the line that I use, right? Uh, uh, no way on God's green earth. There is no way on God's green earth that Bill Belichick will be let go during the season. It is not going to happen. Now, what happens oh, at the end of the season, we'll wait and see. The thing to me is I think he's in the area of 17 wins of breaking Don Shula's record. The interesting thing to me will be, does he go to another team to try and do that? Is that a, and he'll never admit it, but personally, is that a goal of his to say, you know, to himself or to his 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 inner ring, is this something that he wants to accomplish? And if he's not going to be with the Patriots uh, to be able to do it, will he go somewhere else or will he ride off into the sunset? I think I think he'd be Mike like a lot of athletes, great athletes who get hurt, eh, not even great athletes, athletes who get hurt but don't want to go out being hurt, want to come back and show that they could come back. That Bill would want to go be somewhere and show, listen, I can still do this. I can win. Um, but would he do that to break the record? But back to the original question, I don't think there is any way he has let go during the season. 
I felt a lot better about him not getting let go until you God green earthed it. And now nope. I feel like that almost makes it certain he is going to get not fired happening. coming back from this Germany trip if they lose this game to the Colts. I am very nervous for Bill Belichick right now. The Gerard Mayo of it all is very interesting to me, Charlotte, of how he would go about this because we've got recent precedent of what happens when a former player takes over as head coach in the middle of the season when someone who's a Belichick disciple was fired. Antonio Pierce has gone total oppo. He's looked and said, we're going to give guys days off. We're going to rip stogies in the locker room. We're going to have the practice squad guys on the sideline. It's all good vibes right now. It's all very player-centric. It's all polar opposite of that. But that's also Antonio Pierce's background. He came up in a different order. Now, albeit the Tom Coughlin Giants yeah. weren't this yeah. bastion of freedom for everybody. <laughs> so take that for what it is. But I would be interested for, for Mayo because he is a guy that not only came up as a player but as a coach under Bill Belichick. And so, Dad, while it is definitely the Belichick way, it's still also like – Part of all of us and the way that we see football is the way that you were trained, either in the media who you came up under learning in or as a player who you were coached by, the organization you were in, kind of influences how you see the game and how you see what makes winning. And so I'm sure for Mayo, it's a lot of that same stuff, Charlotte, that Belichick has beaten into that organization for so many years that are a part of his football foundation. So I don't know how different it would be in the immediacy. It would more be long-term what are you going to do? Because that old way clearly does not right. work anymore once you remove one of the important ten poles from the organization. Yeah, well, I think, and I've said this a lot, you know, if anyone coming out of college has asked me for career advice, first of all, I've been like, I don't know. Uh, second of <laughs> all, I've been like, I think that the most important thing is figuring out what you don't want or what doesn't work for you. And so I would be interested. It seems like for Antonio Pierce, he's like, okay, we saw very clearly what is not working here. And to some extent, I think that was also Josh McDaniel's ego that was getting in a way in the way. And if you can present yourself as a coach who puts others first in a way that there is still room for fun until the whole team, unless that completely falls apart, I think that is generally having a good time, I do believe, is generally going to get more out of people. So I would be fascinated if instead of Gerard Mayo being like, well, this is how I come up. This is what I knew as a player, as a coach. He's like, you know what? I actually see the holes in this. I see where it is not keeping itself together. And I think personally that there was a very specific special sauce there with Brady and Belichick that Brady's intensity and Belichick's intensity probably played off of each other in a way that was extremely effective in ways behind the scenes we can't know. Maybe Belichick provided Brady that continued chip on his shoulder of being like, I keep taking pay cuts. I keep feeling disrespected. I keep doing this. I feel like that was the thing that made it work because then players could be like, we're on Tom's side, but like, Bill's an amazing lead. Like, it was a very specific moment. And I don't think that works with a guy like Mac Jones. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I think that it, it's how you learn, but often what you learn tells you what you don't want. But it, those it's are, also I'm, like both go ahead, great, Dad. great points is, is the difference of Antonio Pierce not coming up under that system, seeing it for a couple of years, being under Josh McDaniels and realizing you know, some of the differences where Gerard Mayo's whole career was with the Patriots, won a Super Bowl there, got hardware from there, saw the benefits of it, saw it come to fruition with the Super Bowl being a Super Bowl champion. So that is going to be interesting, Mike, from what you said, you're right. This is all he's known. And Charlotte, yeah. from your point, it's also, yeah, in today's world, though, okay, 
it may not keep working. So what can I pick from there? And what can I cherry pick that says, okay, while this part worked, I believe in it. There's other parts that I'm going to have to change to where we are in the game today. Yeah, I think the Patriots' approach, and I don't mean this to sound demeaning, has always been a little bit more collegiate in that it's been about the program. When college coaches come in, there's this very stark regime change usually where they're showing everyone, this is how we do things under us. This is what goes on here. And you've even seen at that level, part of it at successful programs has changed a bit in recent years because of what Dad's mentioned, is you've got a different generation of player that you're now coaching that has different needs and different buttons that you've got to push with all of them. But the Patriots, it allowed for long-term success because you controlled more of the variables and you whittled it down to this assembly line approach right now. And I'm wondering if, yeah, to sustain things, especially the way you were able to start that franchise does that work. But now as you're trying to revitalize something, when you're trying to jumpstart something new, do you need a little bit more of a Dan Campbell approach? Do you need something that's a little bit more personal, a little bit more individualized? That's going to be the part we have to wait and see. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Okay, guys, on Sunday, C.J. Stroud set a single-game rookie passing record with 470 yards in that comeback win over the Bucks. Let's take a look here and see how his offensive rookie of the year odds have shifted a bit throughout the season, especially after that particular game. So week one, we have him at, you know, plus 700. Week three, all the way to plus 1,300. Then week five, okay, plus 175. Week seven... We're moving on down to minus 135. Then week 10 at Cincinnati, minus 500. Guys, what has CJ Stroud's success taught us here? And I mean, minus 500, these are the current odds that we're, we're seeing in this guy. We got to hop on this, right? Yeah, this seems like a veritable certainty at this point. Now, I'm starting to hear the whispers that he should be involved in just the big boy MVP, not the kids table MVP that we give out to the rookies here. And dad, what I feel like it teaches us at the very least is that the notion of making lump assumptions in evaluation like, oh, Ohio State quarterbacks can't play in the NFL is dumb and that we continue to underrate the importance of the environment you end up in and quite honestly just had a hard time predicting that the Texans could turn around the vibe in that building and the foundation in the building as quickly as they did.
Yeah, see, what, what happens is is you get lumped in. It was like Alabama and Ohio State for a long time. They had not put a quarterback into the league that had done anything, right? So you start to say, well, okay, they're great in college, but they can't do it in the NFL. We've seen that before with other quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks that have won the Heisman and don't do anything in the NFL. And then it had been Ohio State quarterbacks can't make it in the NFL. Alabama quarterbacks can't make it in the NFL. Now we're seeing that change, certainly with Tua and with Jalen Hurts. You know, we'll still jury's still out on Justin Fields, but CJ is coming very strong uh, to this one here. And and he is he is by far and away uh, the offensive rookie of the year. The next in line to me would be Puka Nakua. Puka is fourth in the league, not rookies, fourth in the league in receiving yards, fourth in the league in receptions, only has a two TDs. But I think he's second. And the guy, a lot of, I know it was, I think a lot of people had, I think I had CJ at the beginning of the year for this. I think Mike, you had Bijan Robinson. He's ninth in the league in rushing. Uh, we've seen him play great and we've seen him not be on the field such, you know, miss the game with, with the headaches and such as well. We've also seen Arthur Smith decide that apparently we're just not going to give the ball to the really good rookie and try and justify I, it in a bunch it, of weird ways. So it does Arthur seem Smith odd, seems to yeah. be actively subverting his rookie of the year odds. It does seem odd, but I think right now it's number one, CJ Stroud by a long shot. And then Puka Nakua uh, would be number two. But CJ, to me, the, the biggest without question number in his stat line is the number one. Only one interception for a young quarterback is is truly incredible for a team again that is we all think exceeding expectations sitting at four and four. But he's a large part of why they're exceeding those expectations yes. to Charlotte. I, I, the Texans overall have been fascinating, but I feel like we went from conversations like that doubting him overall because of the lineage of that position in Ohio State, the debate about him and Bryce Young at number one coming off that big, great game that he played in the college football playoff against Georgia to now this point where, and I got asked this question by Kevin Clark yesterday uh, on a show that will be released today, his great podcast, This Is Football, about positioning C.J. Stroud relative to Drake May and Caleb Williams, these great can't-miss prospects that are getting ready to come out in the draft right now. And if a couple of months ago, Charlotte, the Texans would have gladly traded their lot in life to get one of those guys and secure them coming in versus C.J. Stroud, who now I'd imagine they wouldn't move off of if you tried to pry him out with a crowbar. No, and I think that something fascinating here is a lot of times people with the most hype coming into the NFL do not pan out as well as people who come in a little bit under the radar, maybe with doubters. I mean, I feel like we've seen it over and over where, you you know, it's the bust of the, the first, the second pick. Um, if I'm the Texans, there's no way on God's green earth, the senior would say that I'm getting rid of CJ Stroud. I also think it's so lazy to have these conversations about like, well, Ohio state quarterbacks don't work out. Uh, Alabama quarterbacks don't work out because that is ignoring so much about the individual person. Because I think that while environment determines so much about how you behave, I think it is doing a disservice to the individual to assume that once someone leaves an environment, they will behave the way everybody else has once they've left that environment, or they will behave the way everybody does in that environment. And I think what CJ is doing in Texas is also, you know, and, and with the coaching staff there and all of the turnover and the ugliness that we've seen there over the past couple of years, I think it's also a testament to how 
one or two bad apples can really rot the whole bunch and how if you clean out the if you if you get rid of the lowest common denominator in terms of you know personnel who are affecting an environment you can actually at least begin to change that and at at best as as we're seeing now you can really excel yeah, I, the Jack Easterby of it all that quietly got shuffled out of that building after all the right? toxicity that surrounded that last year and bringing that in. Charlotte, I think that brings up a great point because you're right. It's a simultaneous problem of it diminishes the individual and their unique strength. Like all of the Ohio State quarterbacks that we've seen come out recently between you know Justin Fields and uh, Dwayne Haskins, the late Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately, yeah. before him, all very different quarterbacks, but right. they play in a similar system. And, and Dad, I wouldn't say that you know, looking at pedigree coming out of college is always necessarily a bad thing, right? Because, you know, for years I've talked about, you know, especially scouting offensive line, there were certain programs for a long time with specific coaches, you know, Notre Dame, Alabama, Georgia, where you could trust the kind of coaching these guys are getting, the kind of program that they're in, what they're asked to do in a way that translates to the next level, where you know what kind of stock you're buying there. But then the second part that Charlotte mentioned still comes into play is, you've got to be fertile ground for that. So many prospects are screwed up a lot more than yeah. they are bad themselves. See what happened. I mean, we've got the perfect recent example with Trevor Lawrence and everything that almost happened with him in Jacksonville under Urban Meyer and how different it is once you go out there and uproot the thing that was the actual problem and replace it with a staff that's going to be much more able to maximize your prospects' best results. I think that's just as much part of what's gone on with C.J. Stroud because of not only D'Amico Ryans but Bobby Slowick their offensive coordinator and the plan they put in place that met their rookie exactly where he was and has now allowed him to even transcend that no listen I agree because and I agree with the lazy narrative for Ohio State and Alabama quarterbacks because everybody is different they play different but what you can look at is what you talked about with styles with offensive linemen like you can do the same thing with a quarterback what kind of system are you and how much are you looking over to the sideline for the next play, how much work is being done for you, where in the next level you have to do the work and you're not ready to do it as much because of the system that you ran. So that comes into it as well. And then we're in, in an era, Charlotte, where you 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 change you change quarterbacks like you're changing clothes. Go back to Josh Rosen when he was the first round pick of the Cardinals for one year and boom, he's gone. You know, and, and now we're seeing that. What's what's Josh Field or Justin Fields? future that he's playing for we're looking for him to be gone you get this one two year you don't even take the entire rookie uh contract to see what you have if you see you know another guy with potential that's always a thing right is boy look at the potential as opposed to a guy who's been there for a year or two like a justin fields who's turned the ball over a lot i think he could be a really good quarterback but he's had a lot of turnovers and you think wow look at caleb williams look at drake may michael Penix, bo nicks you know, Shador Sanders, is he going to come out? There's a number of quarterbacks who haven't been in the NFL, but we're like, wow, look at the potential. But we know 50% of them, if they're in the first round, are going to fail. <laughs> because they're expected to overcome the deficiencies of other people that's what we always do to quarterback we say you're here to smooth out the problems on the offense and in the nfl case you're here to smooth out the problems of the organization justin field's another perfect example what about the bears operation around him seems like right. something that was setting a rookie quarterback up to succeed charlotte nothing absolutely nothing i also think there's a problem of abundance now when you have this many good quarterbacks coming out of systems that that prioritize 
throwing that prioritize that kind of quick thinking. It's like a dating app. You just keep swiping and you think that it's always <laughs> going to be something better than what you have. And that is not necessarily true. And I think the Texans prove this out better than anyone could. Yeah, I, I think the Texans fixed a lot of the other problems in their organization. They went to therapy, they did the work, they got healthy, and now the next relationship they got in is wonderful, and it's bearing fruit for them, and it's a lesson to other organizations. The right man isn't going to fix all your problems no matter how far he throws the ball. <laughs> Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for a reality check, everybody. Audiences are all in on The Golden Bachelor. Okay, so for the third consecutive week, the show grew its audience with the November 2 Hometown Dates episode. So the episode averaged about 5.58 million viewers, marking a 5% increase over the week prior to become the biggest audience of the season. Guys, it's also the most watched episode for The Bachelor since the uh, finale of Matt James' season back in 2021. All right. You know what? I wasn't sure. I had purposely kind of ignored the numbers around this because I wanted to just enjoy the experience on my own. But Charlotte, it has been the exact shot of life that I expected and hoped it would be for a franchise that felt like the formula had gotten a little bit stale. We injected a little bit of maturity into this and we shortened the window down to an hour, which I cannot yeah. stress enough. Shortening the life cycle of a lot of these plot elements has made a world of difference. Yeah, when I tell you that I have thought it was Thursday every day this week because I am so excited. They ended on a cliffhanger. I knew they were going to do this. Uh, we don't know which of the final three, Faith, Teresa, and Leslie, Gary sent home after hometowns. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. The Bachelor was like such a huge part of my life for years because I would recap it for first for USA Today, then for SB Nation. And um, it became, I, I'm... I let it go when the when the show stopped being relevant in that same way or when the drama between the women became what the story was about, which I wasn't interested in. And now I once we have a group of people who believe in this, quote, process, um, I think I, I'm I'm dragged back in and I'm remembering like how much I know about it. Like my family was asking me like, wait, wait, wait. So, okay, so hometown. I'm like, well, yes, usually there are four women who go on a hometown date, which is why the women themselves were surprised when it was three because my favorite part about this, guys, my favorite part about this is that all of the women, all of the, the golden women on this show are such huge bachelor fans that they know yes. exactly and they, and they break the fourth wall. Like when Ellen... She finds out that Faith was in a hot tub with Gary and she goes, oh, my God, a hot tub on The Bachelor. That's a huge deal. And I was like, yes, this is the energy I need. I don't need anybody acting like they're too cool. Take off your cool jacket. We're we're strapped in. And I guess a lot of other people around the country feel like it is once again working, too. So I'm and I'm in that group. Now, I, I used to be dragged to the TV by my wife to watch The Bachelor. OK, when it, The Bachelor with the with the young people, this an hour is beautiful because I don't know how even the, the golden bachelor here that they stay up as late as they do. I bet they're all really, really tired because I know when I go to bed and I'm 60 that they, they're going to bed early as well. That being said, I, I've actually really enjoyed this because, man, I, between Jesse and Charlotte, I'm sorry, but women at 25, oh, my God, the cattiness and drama that I just just that's when I want to just walk away from the TV when I'm when I'm watching it with the the young people to 
the less drama and just, you know, matureness of these older women is just and maybe we're at a point where other people are just sick of all that stuff, too. Listen to some 25 year old drama queen talk about how bad her life is going to be if Biff doesn't pick her, you know, and give her a rose. Listen, you know, I, I, listen so- I'm I'm 33 now. Right. I I was 25 once. And I would, if I had to go back and be with her, I would drown her with my own hands. Like what? (laughs) I would shoot her dead. Like, yes, why? And also 25 year olds on a show about finding your husband? You're 25, what are you doing? You haven't even, you haven't seen anything yet. Trust me, if you're 25, you haven't even tried yet. They're like, and I'm just looking for true love. And I'm like, no, you're not, you're not. You're looking to be an influencer. I love well, the idea too, of I Jesse will... going back in time and highlandering herself <laughs> in time travel mode. I will say, if it, men at twenty five are also yes. more oh, of agreed. a nightmare, I would argue. So Horrifying. whether it's the Bachelor or the Bachelorette, um, I also think that the the hope of love is the thing that they dangle in front of people, which is where it gets a little cruel in general. And I don't want to see these old women have their hearts broken um but you know so it goes but here's the other thing i I want to ask i want to ask you all this and because my wife chris brings this up so these are people entrenched in their lives right i mean entrenched with kids with grandkids are we i mean what's what's her name faith buried her horse she can't possibly leave that horse nobody's moving to indiana with well that's the thing are we expecting this magical hookup to have people uproot their lives at 70 years old and say, I'm going to start brand new when I have, they've all talked about their kids and their grandkids and their lives. So what's the realistic expectation here once he chooses somebody? No offense, because I know that you guys spend a good part of the year in South Bend, but you guys have a connection to Notre Dame. You You have a connection to Notre Dame. It's like, it's like a college town. It's a special place. Gary lives somewhere on a lake in Indiana. (laughs) It's just, I'm just saying, it's not like you're being invited to move to like Westchester here. They're asking you to move to Indiana. I'm just saying it's not exactly a draw. That could be on the cons list when you're you're writing this out. I'm just saying. That's why I feel like Faith is the pick here. I felt like he got along best with her family. She lives out in the country. There's all that appeal to it, despite the horse element of it all. So I I, I do think that is a, a noteworthy part of this, Dad, because it was also interesting. The hometowns featured their kids, and the kids are like, I can't make right. my parent, my mom do anything, but yeah. they are a huge part of our lives. They are around for our family a lot. You do have all of this wiring here that the show's been about, but I, I do think, to your point about the drama, there's been a lot of dignity to the show that I've appreciated because yeah. yeah. there's still been some infighting. The Kathy Teresa sure. beef of 2023 yeah. was phenomenal yeah. and I enjoyed it, but they also cut it off before it got really ugly. They didn't right. let anything really drag on on this show. And so I think everyone gets out with their dignity intact. This reminds me a lot of watching, and I don't mean this to sound infantilizing, but it's a lot like Chopped Jr., where it's just a more pure version of the product without a lot of the drama because you've got a different age demographic involved. And I don't, I don't know this. Uh, maybe it's been said. There's going to be a Golden Bachelorette, right? I mean, they, they have to do that with the ratings of this. That do we think there better be, it, and it better it, be Susan is all will it I be have one to of say. The, I like Susan. I, I do. It, so, do we think it'll be like it normally runs in this? That it'll be one of the the 
the the women now or somebody new, but but there's going to be this, right? There has to be the Golden Bachelorette. I mean, from your lips to the producer's ears, senior, <laughs> I, I can't think of anything I'd like more because you're right, Mike, there is a an element of buy-in or an element of not fully, you know, this is the a generation that didn't grow up with the internet in the way that younger people did, where they see it as this career avenue. I do think, though, everyone's like, these women don't want to be influencers. Yeah, they do. Have you looked mm -hmm. at their social media? Have you checked mm -hmm. out Susan recently with her reels? Have you seen the way these people are posting? Like, I, I think this this can have maybe three more seasons before we get a whole crop of of you're not here for the right reasons, even if you are 65. And I think we're missing the big thing it. here. I think we're missing the big thing. Who doesn't want to be Jesse Palmer, the host in this? Where really, what here you're getting paid to walk out and say, ladies, the last rose, Gary, whenever you're ready. And he walks off and he collects a paycheck. God love him. What a great job he has. Couldn't have to do a better guy. Jesse yep. has been absolutely crushing in his Agreed. role, reprising for Agreed. one of the most storied hosts in reality television history, and he has executed it flawlessly there. I will still continue to put my hand up for the inevitable sports dates that come, and Pickleball got its moment in the sun on this show. If you need <laughs> another broadcaster, me and Charlotte are available to come over and do this right now. So we will wait to see for the exciting conclusion of the Golden Bachelor. Uh, the Golden Bachelorette, by the way, I don't know if any of you guys saw a picture of Missy Elliott's mom make its way to the timeline. I don't know if she's single. I don't know if she's still married. But if she is not married, they need to sign her up for that because respectfully, my God. I saw it because you quote tweeted it, Mike. That's how I saw it. That's all. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna leave the rest of it right there. I'm gonna back okay. away slowly, and I'm okay. going to thank our dear friend Charlotte Wilder. Uh, encourage everybody to go download, subscribe, rate, review Oddball wherever you get your podcast. It is a phenomenal NBA podcast. Uh, features four days. Check a it week, out on every YouTube. Day, Monday during the week. It's on visually YouTube fun. too. And the DK <laughs> Charlotte Wilder visually fun. Thank you so much, Charlotte. We appreciate <laughs> your time, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Charlotte. Uh, Truly a coming up next, Andrew Whitworth, Kevin Byard, and the College Football Playoff Committee's second round of rankings next. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.